I remember specifically asking Chris to do foster care for Nicole, our last one. And we were on, I remember exactly where we were on, on the beach. It was a vacation. I know the exact date. It was like the day she was born that I asked Chris, can we do it one more time? And he, he usually would be really hesitant. And I remember it to him just being like, yep. And that was the first time that I didn't have to sort of convince him. And I figured out way later, because it popped up on my Facebook like calendar thing, that it was the day she was born. How did the idea of fostering or adoption become something that you actively pursued? We talked about it um, from the very beginning when we were dating. That was something that we always wanted to do. Um, Once we were settled, we had a couple of biological kids pretty quickly. Um, And then that just seemed like that was the next step for us. We kind of always knew that that was going to be the next step for us. Um, And it took a little while to figure out what we wanted to do, which direction we wanted to go. There's a lot of phone calls to make and... Um, my husband was more nervous than I was, so that took a little more time for him to actually get to the point of pursuing it. Um, we did international first because when we were young and it was new, that seemed at the time to be less risky for us. So that's what we did first. And then as we got farther down the line, we got a little braver, but it took a lot of time to get it takes a lot of time from thinking about it, praying about it, researching it to actually taking that step to be doing paperwork and actually, you know, moving in that direction. So you think the main hurdle is the amount of information that you have to like process to wrap your head around? Or do you think for you guys initially, was it just um, l- like in what ways was it less of a risk to go international versus like the county For international, for us, I think adoption in general, there's a lot of emotional things you have to wrap your head around to get into it. I think the international over foster care at the beginning for us was just the less risk of losing a kid out of our house. International in that way is less risky because kids are already um, legally available for adoption. And so you're just able to go um, get matched with them and get them and there's no kids in and out of your house. And at that time, that was emotionally too much for us to deal with when we were young and nervous. That was kind of outside of our realm of of possibility. How much time sort of elapsed before, before you felt like, all right, I'm feeling more courageous or I have a little bit more emotional risk to expend? Like what was that time frame before you guys started talking about something else. It was a couple of years. We did a lot of moving around. So I sort of think of things in different states. Um, We brought Nathan home. We lived in Utah. We moved around a little bit and ended up back in California. And I've always loved adoption and wanted a big family. And actually living in Utah was helpful in the way that in Utah they have big families. And I was able to really see 
big families operating. I'm, I'm an only child, so I'm not used to big families. So being in Utah was actually really great for us because it was a really great time to see big families interacting together and organizing their lives and um, just how that would how that can look. And I really always wanted it and then loved it even more after I saw it operating in Utah. So that was really helpful to us. And then when we were in California, um, we felt like we were maybe tough enough to, you know, a little older and a little tougher that we could do foster care and did a program um, in Butte County that was actually a really lovely program. It was called Options for Recovery, where they did some additional training with um, addiction and dealing with kids that have possibly been exposed to things. And it was nice to have kind of a little extra training and a little extra people. And they had kind of some of their own nurses that would visit and um, a really attentive social worker. And so we kind of had a little extra support. Um, And then we got, when we got Maddie, um, she was straight from the hospital and it went really well. But was it always in your mind that you're, we're going to keep going? It's just a matter of time. I think actually we didn't really have a set plan. We never had a set plan of two biological kids and then two adopted kids, or we really want to have five, or we never really had a set plan, which I think worked well for us. And we kind of just wanted to see how it unfolded and kind of see what God had for us as we, as we um, built our family. So I think, I don't remember specifically thinking for sure that Maddie was the last one, but it kind of felt like that might be, it definitely didn't feel like we were for sure going to adopt more or foster more, like she could have been the last one. Um, We had at that point two bio and two adopted, and the age span was kind of reasonable, and um, we were still moving around, which moving around is really complicated when you're doing foster care. Moving is a big deal paperwork wise. So that makes it just more complicated. And then when we moved to Sacramento, we had the space. I think I kind of remember looking at houses thinking I wanted the space (laughs) to possibly have more kids. So we had, you know, a house that would accommodate for that. And then at that point, there was a Maddie was probably getting older you know, six or seven. So there was kind of a big space and we thought that was a good time to just do, we were intending to just do foster care. We felt a lot more secure um, with the unknown of foster care. We felt like we were ready to just kind of let go and see what happened, Um, which I think is the ideal way to do foster care, even though it's difficult. And I think it requires a lot of emotional maturity. It requires a lot of trust in God's plan. It requires a lot from families. But that was definitely the most fun that we had. The other ones felt very stressful, and I felt like I needed to control things. And not that I had control. I never had control, but it felt like I wanted it and that I was always kind of scared of what was going to happen next and wanting to calling the social worker and wanting to know what's next. But with Nicole, we were able to really let go of a lot of that, not all of it, and just say, we're doing foster care. 
We had a pretty wide age range. We had no ethnicity preferences. We had um, <clears throat> no gender preferences. And we were able to just say, we're going to see what happens. And the social worker advised us to kind of tell the older kids that also. We're going to take care of a child who needs a, needs, needs a safe place to stay for however long they need it. And that was just all we had in our minds. And that was what we told the older kids, which they accepted pretty easily. And that was that allowed it to be a little bit more fun. And it's definitely an adventure. And we were able to kind of see it a little bit more as an adventure instead of like a terrifying, terrifying unknown ride, which it sort of also is. But <laughs> <laughs> but at some point in that um the kind of mindset where you're like, well, let's just see what happens. At some point, I'm assuming you and Chris, you know, would look at each other and go, I feel like we're in this for keeps like yep. with Nicole. And so talk about when that shift happened and when you started, I don't know, may maybe changing that, like this is for keeps now versus, mm -hmm. you know, we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. It was, it worked well emotionally because when they brought her, we had no notice, which I actually really liked because there was less time for me to emotionally freak out. So we had no notice. She totally randomly came. We went to Target and bought a bunch of stuff. It was I actually like it that way. It was awesome. Um, and they said she would be with us for a month. Tops, I think they said, which actually <clears throat> was lovely because that seemed pretty, pretty easy, emotionally also easy. Like we'll take care of someone else's baby for a month. I can totally do that. And then of course that stretched out. Um, we had a, we had visits with her grandparents that we actually, um, facilitated. So we kind of got to know them and interact with them, which was something I wasn't really picturing. That's not generally, I don't know if that's generally how it goes. That wasn't how I was picturing it going. And that was sort of a whole interesting other area that I actually really enjoyed getting to know some of her biological family and understanding what's happening. And I think that actually can be really beautiful and it's complicated, but that can be a really interesting thing. And then, yeah, at some point, probably in three months in or five months in, um, of course, we're getting attached to her. She's super awesome and happy. And of course, she came to us not super healthy and not really thriving. And if she starts to thrive and be happier and more comfortable and she's getting healthier. And so I think, you know, three or four months in, we're certainly getting more attached to her. And then there is more fear involved in what's going to happen next as you get more attached for sure. And also, you know, you kind of watch the legal process go down and kind of see the legal process going going a certain direction. And it and then it, we kind of just took it at that point. We kind of just took it by holidays. So she came in July. She was supposed to leave in a month. Then it was just yay. She gets to, we get to have her for Halloween. Let's go shopping and get her a costume and then Thanksgiving and then should we get to have her for Christmas? And we kind of, I think, used holidays for fun and also to kind of help the children understand what was happening. And that kind of helped us just have little, like little milestones to reach. We're going to get through Halloween. 
we get to get her a costume, whatever. And then that gave us kind of little milestones as we went down the road. Yeah. So how would you, how would you invite someone or tell someone or give, you know, some sort of stepping stone to work towards this, to get involved, to, to foster or even adopt? Like, what would be your, your push for that person? Mm-hmm. I think that's a super challenging question because I don't think there's a great answer. It's a really difficult thing to jump into. I think having people around you that know what it's like, that can support you is definitely helpful. And then I think, honestly, it's a really challenging space. And what I would say is it's so rewarding that you just have to jump off and I think I posted on Facebook once when we first got Nicole, and I was sort of joking, but I posted on Facebook that doing foster care is like doing one of those trust falls you do at camp, except you're going backwards off a cliff and just, you have to, like, there's, there's a, there are some things where you just have to trust God has a plan for this. God loves our family and wants good things for our family and can support our family if we have an emotional If this child goes back, God can support that, and he has plans, and he knows the outcome. And unfortunately, I think in in these situations, you really just have to jump off the cliff. Um, What I I try to say to people is, if you, which is really difficult, but if when I look back on it, when I look back on my adoption stories, like, it's super obvious. That why the timing was that way, why my husband drug his feet and it took us, you know, I had to like coax him into doing it. And then the timing turned out to be right because it was this kid or we figured out later. um, I remember specifically asking Chris to do foster care for Nicole, our last one. And we were on, I remember exactly where we were on, on the beach. It was a vacation. I know the exact date. It was like the day she was born that I ask Chris, can we do it one more time? And he he usually would be really hesitant. And I remember to him just being like, yep. And that was the first time that I didn't have to sort of convince him. And I figured out way later, because it popped up on my Facebook like calendar thing, that it was the day she was born. We were at the beach. It was overwhelmingly on my heart. We got to do it one more time. It's because she was being, my daughter was being born that day. It's amazing. And the only thing I can say is, to people that are starting is you have you have just to know someday you'll have a child that you overwhelmingly love and can't imagine not living in your house because they were meant to be your child and you'll be able to look backwards and say oh this is why we did it then this is why we went with Sacramento County this is why maybe a placement sometimes placements you think a child is coming and then they don't and you're really sad because you were excited but then this other child comes and you can see, oh, that's why that one didn't work out because this kid's obviously meant to be in our family. My kids all the time, we still, you know, think our number five is the cutest thing in the world. And my teenagers always say, I can't believe she could have not been in our family. Oh my God. Well, how would be so horrible? Like you can see that looking back. And the only thing I could say looking forward is that you'll know at some point you'll be at that the end point and be able to see what the plan was. And you just have to jump off the cliff and 
go for the ride. It sounds like the struggle comes when you try to maintain some sort of control over something. Yeah. Where you've got one foot in your like control zone and one foot in either foster care or adoption. You're like, all right, I'm going to do this, but I have to maintain, you know, 50% of control. (laughs) Yeah. And you quickly learn that it's exhausting to do that. Yeah. And at some point, especially as Christians, you have to decide, is God really who he says he is? And will he do what he says he will do? Yep. Will he protect these children? Will he protect my family? Does he have our best interests at heart? And then just say, well, it says this and faith without, without action is dead. So I have my faith and I'm going to run with the action and I'm going to rely on, on God's promises. Yep. And we'll see what happens. Yep. I don't think there's, I can't really think of any better way to test your faith than doing foster care. And that's exactly what I thought when we went in, like, do I trust God or don't I? Does he know the outcome? Yes, I do believe he knows the outcome. So when we got into it, I just told him, whatever you need to do is what we want. Your plan is what we want. So if that doesn't work out how I think it's going to, or if that's difficult for us, God's plan is what I want, and I do believe he has control, and you basically just have to tell yourself that and go for it. When your kids grow up, what do you want them to say about you? I think I just I think I just hope that they will say that they will remember me as loving God and really loving my family and doing everything for those two things. That's pretty much all that matters to me. Um, I joke with them sometimes when we're the house is chaotic or they're irritated with me, I'll tell them, I'm trying my best. <laughs> like this is I'm trying my best all the time. And Chris and I will joke like when we're talking about the kids, like, well, we can't say they can't tell us we didn't try because we really tried. So I just want them to know that family's everything to me and I want them to remember me like loving God and trusting God and trying to follow God and I think that us doing foster care has really shown that to them so I and I think that they will do the same so I just want them to remember that stuff yeah and if the bible says that true religion which is what we believe in is to is to take care of widows and orphans and we do nothing about it yep um that I think that registers with yeah. our kids. I mean, they're constantly watching us. They're constantly like, what are you doing? And although they may not be saying it, what are you doing to live out your faith that you're trying to get me to believe in? Yep. Or that I see you, that you love God. I see that. I see you pray. I see you read. I see we go to church. But like, what is it? How are you even changing this world yep. for anything? Absolutely. You know, and okay, I give out a homeless kit to someone or I do this, I do that. But now we're bringing someone into our into our, our family huddle and saying, this is important to me. And this person will not be left out there. Like yep. we're, that's not acceptable to us. Um, and whether they adopt or not, you know, that that's, that's, that's whatever is in their heart, but they will see that what God says is important and we're trying to live it out, you know, yep. and we're doing the best we can. Yep. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite quote or saying that you want to share? No, I don't really have any quotes. I just, 
I think I think a lot about looking back on my life and not having regrets. So I think that that's something that I think about a lot, that I really want to do brave things and raise my family in a way that I don't look back and wish I had taken a risk or wish I had been brave enough to do something. I really want to live my life that um, when I look back, I think I did what I wished I would have done and I didn't shy away from things because they were scary. 